Welcome to the Salvation Army Croc Church of Augusta. We're so glad that you have joined us here for our podcast. If you do not have a church home, we would love to see you on Thursdays from 5 to 7.30 for adult and children's ministries, as well as Bible study. And of course, as always, we would be so excited to have you here on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for Sunday school, as well as 11 a.m. for morning worship. This fall season, we will be entering into a new sermon series called Dear Church, We Need to Talk where we'll be diving into Jesus's proclamation to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Each letter declares many victories, but it also declares a lot of warnings to the congregation as they continue to lead and to grow more like Jesus in all that they do. And hopefully we too will be able to reflect as a body of believers on where some of our areas of personal and corporate worship are needing refocused. So, Come sit with us in this journey, and as always, we are praying for you through this series as you open your heart and minds to whatever God has in store for you. God bless. Look around you. There's so much work to do. This world is in no condition for us to simply sit back and watch. There is a tangible, desperate need for Jesus. A glimpse of hope in the midst of hopelessness. Jesus experienced this. He saw it firsthand. The need broke his heart and filled him with compassion. He turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This alone should stir our hearts. It's a calling, a calling to make a difference, to share the truth of the gospel, to be a light in the darkness, to be the church. It's time for us to look beyond ourselves, to turn our focus to the field, to answer the call and passionately share the love of Jesus. This is our mandate. This is our mission. Are you ready to do the work? Our prayer is that we would be a church 
known for our faith, for our love, for our service, and for our perseverance. Period. We might not get it all right all the time, all the way, but that we would be a church that strives to be faithful, that we would be a body who strives to be the church. And if you're, if you're like me and any of these letters, something that can stick out or something that can kind of capture us is the idea, the question really, of how can a church who professed love for Jesus in the beginning possibly be caught in spiritual adultery? Because if we're honest, deep down, although each of the churches had particular issues that had caused them to wander, there was no question that they had indeed wandered. That they had indeed stepped out of their spiritual marriage, out of their status as the bride of Christ. It can all be traced back to losing the love that they had in the beginning for Jesus and his ways. Maybe they are drawn away by wanting to keep the sheep safe from the wolves, and so they fail at loving their neighbors out of fear of being hurt. Maybe they're drawn away by their fear of persecution, and so they shy away from speaking too loudly about their Savior. Maybe they are drawn away by their desire to fill their own needs more than live lives of holiness, and so they've resolved to just really attending worship and that's about it. Or here, in the case of the church in Thyatira, they're drawn away by their anxiety of fitting into the city and social circles around them, and so they bend their ways to be more palatable to those around them. They became a church that tolerated too much. And all of this is really the result of falling away from Jesus as the foundation of their faith and life. And while these letters are written to them, surely we must be careful we too do not slip into these traps of faithlessness. Because as we will see in this letter, we too will be judged by our faith and our deeds. And so looking into the letter, digging into the first few verses, we'll go through verse 18 and 20 to start off. It'll be on the screen if you need it. Verse 18 of chapter 2. Write to the angel of the church of Thyatira. Thus says the Son of God, the one whose eyes are like fiery flame and whose feet are like bronze. I know your deeds, your love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. I know that your last works are greater than the first. And really, I want to go ahead and stop there, because again, back to my question, how can a church that Jesus had this to say about be followed up immediately with, but I have this against you? If they're getting it right, they're getting it right, right? And if they're getting it wrong, they're getting it wrong. How can there be anything, to good, anything good to say about a church that would go on to tolerate sin and heresy and idolatry? Because slipping into sin, much like a marital affair, happens in stages. Oftentimes, when we throw up our hands and say, I never saw it coming, never could have imagined, never would have thunk it, it's because it's at the divorce hearing. We 
see the divorce and don't realize how much that has been preparing, how long that has been in the making. Starts with some flirting, starts with hanging out and talking to people that you necessarily shouldn't, looking a little too long, and eventually it just starts to spiral. Spiritually, it's not dissimilar. A Christian doesn't just stop being a Christian overnight. This church, in fact, didn't just meet at the temple one day and decide that sex no longer belonged exclusively to marriage or one's partner. They didn't just decide that it doesn't matter where the meat comes from. That God, this God, that king, that queen doesn't matter. Food is food. It wasn't even solely on the one who had wooed them away. And verse 20 says, I have this against you. You tolerate this woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat meat sacrificed to idols. It'd be very easy to simply look at that and say, well, obviously the problem is that woman. That sound familiar? <laughs> Clearly it's her fault, right? It's, it's her fault I ended up in her bedroom. It's her fault that we ended up eating this meat served to another guy. Their hearts had wandered long before she gave them a reason. A faithful man doesn't step out on his wife because of one pretty lady in a red dress. It starts in the heart. And we too step away from our savior in our heart first and in our actions second. This church was playing the, the happy couple in public, but behind closed doors they had made their bed with another. And Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will love one and hate the other, or you will serve one and despise the other. No one can serve two masters. Now, Thyatira, a little bit about them and their church, they were largely unimportant if you look back in history. But what it was is a small city on the way to all of the other churches. Ironic. They all also got letters. And so the idea is what's believed to be the cause of this Jezebel and this uh, tolerating of sin and idolatry and whatnot is that they, being on the path of commercial success and tourism, wanted to be attractive to anyone and everyone who would pass through their city. They wanted a reason for them to stop in Thyatira and spend some time. And as we well know, hell is paved with good intentions, and this church probably thought they were doing the right thing in saying, we want anyone and everyone, anyone and everyone to come in here the stranger to feel like they belong, like they have a place, like they are loved. The problem isn't that they welcomed strangers, but the fact that they had bent their ways so much that they themselves became strangers to God. Loving our neighbor is not a sin. This isn't an excuse. Last time I preached, in fact, it's funny that I have kind of handled two ends of the spectrum with these churches of Revelation. Because last time I preached, I preached on Ephesus. And I would describe them as a church who had their doors closed too tightly. Out of fear of the wolves getting the sheep, they closed the barn doors and never came out. Never loved anyone. Who cares if their faith was doctrinally sound and theologically elevated? They didn't love anyone. Not the church. But then on the other side, we have Thyatira, who opened their doors too widely. 
and they became like those they tried to welcome. And it can't be missed that both were unfaithful. We can't find ourselves on either side. Now, it would be untrue to myself and my personality if I didn't bring up the doctrinal point being made here. Doctrine is fancy word for what we believe in the church, right? Every church should have doctrines. If your church doesn't have doctrines, run away. And if you don't know our doctrines, good for you. We've got membership classes going on right now. Whether you want to sign up or not, if you want to, if I'm saying anything in the next five to seven minutes that you don't understand, talk to Captain and he'll explain it better than I can. But doctrines, what we believe, they are the statements of faith that as, as much as humanly possible, we have come to elaborate what we believe. Why? Because back in the day, you could say, I believe in Jesus, and that meant something. Nowadays, it doesn't. I have to ask, which Jesus? Oh my. I walk into a room, somebody sees something, Star Wars. Oh, you like Star Wars? I do. I like Star Wars. Which ones? I can't just take people at their word. They say they like Star Wars. They don't necessarily like all of it, and they don't like it the right way. <laughs> same way we don't all serve the same Jesus denominational splits and sin not unlike what these churches face to remain relevant and popular have made it so that Christianity doesn't necessarily mean what it should and so I just like to say Jesus following but we like to define what that means. When we raise our hand and say, yes, I believe in Jesus, what does that mean? And so our church has 11 doctrines that try to elaborate what that means. There are 11 of them, and doctrine 8 is very agreeable, I'd say. And, and, and it starts off in, a, in an area that I think we all can get on the same page. It's doctrine 9 that maybe we disagree a little bit more, but doctrine 8 says, we believe that we are justified by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and that he that believeth hath the witness in himself. Can you tell with the, that it's old? It is, but it's still true, and it's based on scripture, if you can't tell. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, in fact. And then 1 John chapter 5, verse 10, he who believes... And the Son of God has the witness in himself who does not believe uh, God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given us his Son. All of that to say, if you confess your sins today and repent today and call on the name of Jesus, you are saved. If you haven't done that, I pray today would maybe be the day to do it. But nonetheless, it's that easy. Believe in Jesus and you are saved. But how does that play along with a church like Thyatira? Or any of these seven churches who warranted a letter from Jesus? For that we have the ninth doctrine. We believe that continuance in a state of salvation depends upon continued, obedient, 
faith in Christ. Salvation depends on continued, obedient faith in Christ. For this, I believe our book of doctrine says it best, and yes, I, ha I have it with me. Another great resource, again, if you want to know more about what our church believes, and, and don't get me wrong, our, our doctrine follows Christian essential doctrine, meaning that if you go to most churches, our doctrines will line up with them. Not all of them, of course, but if you want to know more about what you believe, this is a great resource, and it's all based in Scripture. Hence this section here about chapter 9. Chapter 8, doctrine 8, does not mean that our salvation is guaranteed to us against our free will. It is possible to cease to obey Christ and so forfeit our hope for eternal life. This is consistent with our understanding of the grace of God, who always leaves open to us the, responsible, the, the, the ability to freely respond to him. Freedom to live by grace includes freedom to turn away. This doctrine reminds us that the Christian life requires combined commitment of faith and obedience. To say, yes, I believe, and because I do, I live this way. And it is a willingness to be led by the Spirit of God. The Gospel of John uses the image of a vine and branches to signify this deep and sustained connection. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You're the branch. It must remain in the vine. That's Jesus. Neither can you re uh, bear fruit unless you remain in me. John 15, 4. I'm a nerd about this stuff. Hence why I could not let an opportunity slip in digging into that. Because that's what we believe. Yes, us who wear the goofy uniforms, but I... I, I Based on my understanding of scripture, uniform or not, Willie Booth or not, I believe it is absolutely true that we can call on the name of Jesus today and be saved, and yet we can go out tomorrow and cancel it out with our own actions and unbelief. Faith is work. And unfortunately, we are all prone to wander in our own ways. To tolerate this or that until all of a sudden it doesn't look like the same house anymore. Just set that on the counter. We'll get it eventually. I'll just put the laundry hamper over there. I'll know what to do with it later. You know you're not going back to that laundry hamper. I don't have to deal with that today. I just got to get through today. I just got to deal with today. I don't want to deal with that necessarily. Faith and faithlessness, heresy and idolatry, it's all only one choice away. And this church at Thyatira had chosen to let their hearts wander. And I pray that as we read of their wandering, it would challenge us to remain in him. To cling to Jesus and to take care lest we too would slip away. The book of Hebrews is an excellent diagnosis and prescription for falling away from faith. 
It's almost like the author knew he was writing to an audience who was particularly susceptible to distractions of their faith. And so there's no doubt in reading the letter, the challenge to remain faithful was clear. Hold on to your butts. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we would drift away from it. Hebrews 3.12, take care lest there be any of you who have an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Hebrews 6.1, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And one more familiar, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings to us, that we might run the race with endurance that is set before us, looking to Jesus as the founder and perfecter of our faith. Pay attention. Don't just show up and hear, but go out and do. Faith comes from hearing, yes, but faith without works is dead. We should not simply be hearers of the word of God, but living sacrifices who do the will of God. Tend to the desires of your heart. And the thoughts of your mind, take every thought captive, and whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything good and worthy of praise, think about these things. Go deeper. The faith we claim to have must be go beyond Sunday school songs and memory verses. You can quote scripture, so can Satan. You believe there is a God? So do the demons. At least they're afraid of him. We should be growing more and more in our faith and understanding and likeness to Christ. Otherwise, any ear-tickling and flesh-pleasing teaching and philosophy is sure to pull us away. Kill every sin and distraction. You want to be like Jesus? You want to keep your heart from wandering? Deal urgently and seriously with sin. We should deal with everything that could possibly give sin and the enemy a foothold in our hearts and lives. It's not enough not just to feed sin, but it should never be welcome in our lives at all. A soapbox of mine is, I don't, I'm sure everyone's heard of the possibly Native American folklore. I don't even know if that's legitimate. The thing of the two wolves. Every person has two wolves in their heart. Good one and a bad one. You know, which one wins? The one you feed. That's stupid. Have you ever seen a hungry alpha predator? <laughs> You really want that thing hungry? Kill it. 
It's not a matter of not giving a voice to sin, not, not letting sin necessarily win over. It's about dealing with it. You can't just put it in the basement and hide it when the neighbors come over. You can't just put it away and lock it tight while you're here on Sundays and dress right. You've got to deal with it. Don't let it in the house. Yes, another one's going to come back next week. Deal with that one too. We have to take sin seriously. This church, in order to be popular, had not dealt with their own sin and wandering hearts and certainly hadn't dealt with this Jezebel who had a little bit too much voice in the church, if you ask me. I wouldn't say we necessarily have a Jezebel in our midst, but the enemy certainly is out to sway our hearts. All it has to do is convince us that a good church is a full church. To convince us that a loving church is a busy church. To convince us that a welcoming church is a tolerant church. I pray that we would be a church that is faithful. Amen. To steal from Captain Raymer, success for a church comes from the quality of our faith. We want the success. Yes, I want a full church. And you don't get... If you ever hear that from one of our pastoral staff and take that to mean that we want to be the biggest church in Augusta just because, and not that we hurt for every empty seat in here. It's not about being popular and full. It's about more people knowing God. But that's only going to happen if we are faithful. A church that prioritizes the stranger's interests are just as lost as the church that prioritizes the member's interests. The only thing we should be prioritizing is our relationship with God and everything else. Everything else will come if we seek him and his kingdom. Our relationship with each other, our relationship with the, the, the strangers and the wanderers, it will all come if we are faithful to our relationship with him. We only get all of that right if we get it right with him. We cannot let ourselves become Thyatira or Ephesus, too tolerant, not tolerant enough. A body is only as strong as the parts that make it up, and a church is only as faithful as the Christians that make it up. We must beware our own wandering hearts, and we must daily seek a stronger and deeper relationship with God. Again, spending time in the book of Hebrews prayerfully and intentfully would probably good, be good for your heart on occasion. And I don't mean that we read it once and we're good. The worst thing we can do is convince ourselves that these letters aren't warnings to us. Not me. I got it right back at youth camp in 2011. What you talking about? I've been going to this church for 35 years. What you talking about? doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long we've been in church. It doesn't matter how much we've gotten right. This church was praised for their faith. 
And yet, Jesus had something to hold against them. So we cannot believe that we are above sin, above reproach. We have to continue to work on our faith. Jesus makes it well known what will befall the unfaithful, this Jezebel and her followers. And for the world church, this is a warning to Satan and those he has wooed away in faithlessness and sin. Verse 21 says, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great affliction. Unless they repent of their works, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines the minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you according to your works. There will be a time where we will reap eternally for what we have sown. <clears throat> faithful and unfaithful alike. This is as much a challenge as it is an assurance. For the faithful, it is an assurance that I see you and I will reward you. Keep it up. But for the unfaithful, it's a warning of what will befall us if we continue to let our hearts wander. The letters to the churches reflect Jesus' heart in that they are never without praise for the faithful and grace for those who have endured. He even says to keep holding on in the last verses in 24. I say to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold on to this teaching, who haven't known the so-called secrets of Satan, I'm not putting any other burden on you, only this, that you would hold on to what you have until I return. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, I will give him authority over all of the nations, and they will rule them with an iron scepter and will shatter them like pottery. Just as I received this from my Father, I will also give you the morning star. Let anyone who has ears listen to what the angel of the Lord says to the churches. We'll never be so faithful that we don't have work to do and that we can't go deeper. You've been faithful? Great. Keep it up. But if we're honest, moment to moment, we've wandered. That's okay. That's real. That's human. We are not perfect. Although we strive to be holy as he is holy and to be faithful as he is faithful, he is God and we are not. We will wander. We will slip. But the question is, will we return? Will we repent? If you have taken this letter, this sermon, any of these, as simply judgment and wrath, you would be mistaken. And I pray that we would see the love and grace of Jesus in these letters. That we would hear the voice of God that says, I love you. I want you. Completely. And I've made it possible. 
if we would just be faithful. Does the church have work to do? Yes. Does our church have work to do? Yes. Do I? Yes. We all do. The moment we think that we can't do any more in our faith is the moment we've lost it. Every day, working and striving. It's my love of Jesus that means that I will gladly accept this work. And the question is, will you and will we all? I'm not the church. No one person is. No one group of people is. We must all be faithful. Will we choose faith today and tomorrow? And when it means unpopularity, and when it means rejecting ourselves, and when it means loving our enemies, will we choose faith or will we fall away? Will we tolerate sin for the sake of fleeting pleasures? As the song plays this morning and as we take this time, and you know, it, it, we do it so often that it starts to feel as if this is just what we do to wrap it up. This is just it. And if we're missing an opportunity to come before the throne, not because you're here, not because you come down here, not because of anything special, but if you miss an opportunity to come before the throne simply because, well, we got 10 minutes left, my heart breaks. I would pray that we would take every opportunity to get ourselves closer to repent of the things we know we've done and the things we don't know we've done. We talked about it in Sunday school with the teens today, that we're going to do things. I know by my personality, I just naturally agitate people. On a given day, one person probably doesn't like me by the end of it. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to do that, but it happens. Even for that, the things we don't know, the things that we just go about willy-nilly doing and not realizing maybe we are causing someone to stumble. God, please forgive me. For the things we know, the things we know we should be taking to God. Let's take the time to do it. Stop putting the laundry in the corner and forgetting about it. Deal with it. For the animosity towards someone, the jealousy towards someone, for the tolerance of that person that just keeps holding you back, for the tolerance of your own heart and not wanting to deal with the things you know you should be dealing with. Bring it to God this morning. Take time. Pray. Seek Him. And from this place, go and be faithful. Be the church. It's my prayer for all of us this morning.